Welcome to the Regeneration Podcast. I'm Jay, and uh, welcome to another episode of our series, Twitterology, where we dive into interesting, perplexing, strange ideas we see on social media and online. Uh, this is always so fun, and it's really a big part of all the fun are, are my friends that I get to do this with. First of all, my co-host on the podcast and my dear friend, Isaac Serrano. How Hello. are you, man? Good. Doing good. Good to see you. Also with us, as always, Liz Diddy, author, speaker, spiritual director. How are you, Liz? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. And Chris Nye, who uh, we plugged his most recent book, Less of More, a couple of episodes ago. And here you are again. Hi, you didn't ask how I was doing. <laughs> you got any coupon codes? I, 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 you for got a book? book name drop. <laughs> I did. That's God's true. many voices yeah, learning to Liz listen. Liz 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 coming in, oh, coming in hot, just dropping it in herself. Hey. That was, that was good. In. That's that market share. If, it's, market worth, share. if it's worth writing, it's worth promoting, J. Kim. Okay? okay? Man, Liz just went for it. <laughs> I'm joking. If you just, knew me, I am like, yeah. I, it gives me stomach knots to have to talk about myself. Oh, man. Okay, today, I... Not one particular tweet or blog post, but just a common, incredibly common online and now beyond online. You see it um, all over the place. But this idea uh, that, you know, if you go on Twitter and you type this in, you'll find all sorts of endless stream of posts about this idea um, that uh, Christianity is not a religion or a ritual it is a relationship. We've all heard that. Mm-hmm. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Christianity is not a set of rituals, it's a relationship. Uh, first of all, let's just say it, none of us would deny that relationship with God is a critical <laughs> element of the Christian faith. But the question I wanna pose today that we can get into, why, well, I guess it's two questions, one, why does it seem like so many of us feel compelled to pit religion ritual against relationship? And two, if in fact they are not pitted against one another, um, how do they coexist and live together and maybe in some ways even need each other? Liz wrote a book uh, about God's voice and a relationship <laughs> with that voice. So I feel like Liz should start. Um Actually, it's it's interesting. I wonder, because you asked the question, why do we pit it against each other? And mm-hmm. I wonder if it's sort of a pendulum swing or trying to unattach um, the the true, like, meaningful relationship we have from God with some of the things that people might think of with the word religion, right? Like, you know, yeah. nuns slapping your hand in school and really boring mass. I don't, I'm not picking on Catholics right now. I love I love our Catholic brothers and sisters, but um, the like the idea of you know things that people think of as staunch or bureaucratic, um, and the idea that uh, actual it's like a living, breathing lifestyle and relationship with God. So I don't know if that's the di- the dichotomy that people are after or. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's one thing we get to do as pastors, leaders, writers, is when when the pendulum does swing, we get to just kind of bring it back a little bit. And I think we are in kind of one of those moments where, um, or, or, or this, right? I think a lot of you guys have taught me this, is we want to break it into the either or. Christianity is either a religion mm. or it is a relationship. Mm. And 
all, all of you have taught me and many writers and thinkers who think about it know it's both and are always the ones that are helpful because it, it helps you see the overlap of the two um, because it is true. We were given sacraments. We were given the Lord's Supper. We were given baptism um, to practice. These are, we need to call them rituals. <laughs> These, mm-hmm. you know, and, we, and, and anyone else who's not a Christian calls Christianity a religion. So it's only Christians who say <laughs> that Christianity yep. is not a religion, right? If you ask any non-Christian, they're like, oh, Chris Nye's a religious person because right. he's a pastor. Yes. So yeah, that's right. I've never let's not heard, fool ourselves. Yeah, I've never yeah. heard an irreligious person tell me, man, you're yeah. all about relationships. <laughs> yeah. You're a relationship guy. Yeah. Dude, I, I'm not into yeah. it, but I love your relationship with the Lord. No one's ever said that to me that's not a Christian. Mm-hmm. That's a fascinating point. There's a lot of uh, historical roots that r- give rise to that. So it's kind of, you got to go back, on, sort of, it's geeky, but it's like 1700s, late 1700s is when not just Christianity, but America became uh, hyper, the, the roots of hyper-individualism um, were, were starting to service and anti, anti-institutionalism. So, you know, go, go back a few hundred years, and what did it mean to be a Christian? It meant to belong to a church. Um, how did you know you belonged to a church? Because you were baptized in that church, and they have records in that church. And so the American spirit, especially post-1776, wanted to throw off any form of institution, a- any and all forms. I mean, Americans, we are anti-institutional people. I always joke around... Um, it's a movie, Les Miserables, the book. Mm-hmm. You read, read the book, seen the movie, seen the musical. Like before you even know who the good guys or the bad guys are, the bad guys are the people who want, support the king. The good guys mm-hmm. are the people who are revolting against it's the king. Assumed. Yeah. It's yeah. assumed. American DNA is anti-institutional. It's how we were bred. So the, the, what happened in the post-1776 culture is it even affected uh, the way we, we did church and thought about our rela- relationships. So anything that was institutional was was bad. It had to be individual. And so that makes its way down to to Christianity, where all of a sudden we start talking about things in an um, individualistic lens that's divorced from the church. Because as much as it, you know, you talk about, uh, Chris mentioned it, knowing God, the Bible talks a lot about being n- known by God. Yeah. Um, and so those those roots really continue to, to grow and grow and to flourish up until probably kind of hits the the, the the high point in the kind of Billy Graham era about, you know, what does it mean to be saved? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, and he desires to be in a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And then we've been sort of living in the aftermath of that since. But personally, I think, and this is why this conversation is important, we're coming to, I think, the end of that heyday. We're seeing yeah. more and more people, the fact that we're having the conversation, well, wait a second, of course mm-hmm. it's... It's, there's ritual, there's baptism, there's mm-hmm. communion. We have liturgy. Every church has liturgy. And you're saying we're not the only ones having that conversation. No. There is a rising tide. Yeah. I mean, let's get into that. Where do you see, talk about that, that, that rising tide for anybody? Well, just personally, we went, for instance, uh, we used to be a church that did communion once a month. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your guys is, are, do, but then it, we're like, no, we got to do this once a week. And then you start doing research in the early church, they're doing it once a week, and you realize that the communion w- meal was the centerpiece of the, the mm-hmm. service, not necessarily yeah. the sermon or the worship. That's mm-hmm. not, I'm, I'm a preacher, that, so it's not bag, bagging on sermons, but it's the meal is the center, center point. So, you, so those things start to rise, and I'm, I'm a young leader, and I'm talking about 
going back to the early church and rediscovering the institutional and ritualistic forms of early Christianity, that was unheard of, particularly baby boomers, not all, but they reacted to what they would call the dead traditionalism of, of their parents. And rightfully so, if there was dead traditionalism, they wanted to react to it. But like anything, you, sw- you swung yeah. way too far and, and said all of that stuff was bad. And so younger generations are, are kind of seeing the, the, the beauty of some of those things. In some ways, it's swung the other way, right, where um, people yeah. just don't go to church because it's a relationship, dude, mm. not a religion. Yeah. Yes, that's an important um, clarifying note. that the, They react. There's two trajectories. One might yeah. be a return. The other one is to continue in that line. Well, yeah, I, I was going to say that um, part of that reaction to um, the the relationship piece is actually, I think some of the Gen Z millennial generations are actually reacting to kind of the phony relationship stuff where it's like, you know, they're, they're hearing their parents now, right? Because that's kind of the generation that has had kids now is like talking about this relationship. But the, the kids might look at that and go, Man, that's not the real thing. You know, the real thing is kind of the historical rooted stuff that has kind of like Is that how kids talk these days? I, I think well, you're seeing a rise <laughs> here's the deal. I think you're seeing a rise in the in like Anglicanism, right? Because yeah. of that. Because people are like, I don't want the show, I don't want the like therapeutic stuff. Like there's a rise in that talk that's like reacting to that, which again I think is actually there's a level of health to that. Christianity is a received re- religion. It's a received faith. Like uh, when we were talking about, or when you sent this topic out, Jay, I was thinking about Second Timothy one, where Paul says, like, you receive this faith from your grandmother. Like Timothy was one of the first like Christian homes that he had, mm-hmm. and this idea that he says, guard what was entrusted to you, mm-hmm. and that's what I think is important when we think about is it a ritual is it a relationship where's the both and there it's that we don't get to make christianity up and relationship is just the term to to what isaac was kind of alluding to uh, something we were talking about before we turn the mics on is that it's a word we've just used to categorize new testament language of being known by christ and knowing christ and being in christ that's all over the new testament and prayer jesus says speak and pray this way our Father and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you in secret. These are relationship yeah, yeah. terms. And so we've just used that word to kind of like catch uh, as a catch-all term to a lot of New Testament language that's really helpful. Likewise, ritual is just a catch-all term to help categorize some of the things Christ and his church has instructed us to do across time. We've just received that because that's what Christianity is. You don't get to make it up. You receive it as something that has occurred throughout history and, you know, sparked in the New Testament. Mm. Well, and I mean, even going back to the Old Testament, right? If, sure. If you look yeah, at totally. uh, the beginnings of Judaism, it's a covenant relationship mm. between God and his people. But it. Yeah, it which is, is the a, relationship piece. It is right? accompanied yeah. by, by rituals, yeah, yes, feasts, That's really good. celebrations, yeah. as well as worship at the temple or tabernacle and, um, and all of that. So it's... It, it really is an all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I do think it is a catchphrase. And I wonder if it's one that we're just not going to need to say anymore because it's. And people may I'd not be, okay be reacting it, yeah. to the dead traditionalism of cultural Christianity, meaning yeah. all, all the, the, the excited, passionate evangelicals were reacting to it. Well, everyone's just Christian. You go to church, you do this dead ritual. We want to, you know, Jesus people reacts yeah, against sure. that. Well, it's like they're not reacting to 
dead church service. There's, they're not going to church anymore type, mm-hmm. type of thing. So that reaction may be un, un, unnecessary. The um, sort of what you were saying with ang- Anglicanism, and this isn't, these aren't my ideas. Uh, Dr. Lynn Sweet has said this. Um, Andy um, Crouch Crouch said yep. this at our, our event. Os Guinness. Os Guinness. Kind of the future of the church um, is going to be an embodied church experience. And the churches that are doing that best right now are Pentecostals and churches that have a liturgical structure like Anglican or the Eastern Orthodox. And we're seeing both of those things draw people. And it's because you actually are getting up and doing something with your body in a ritualistic sense rather than just sitting and watching something for an hour and a half. Mm. So. Pentecostals, of course, embody something in the celebratory nature of the, the service, but also some service you get up and walk up and you take communion, you kneel, you lift your hands, and there's this this embodiment that I think is is being picked up on precisely because it, because it's so so different than than the spectator. So we know that the whole Christianity is a relationship, not a religion, is is sort of against the whole idea of dead religion. And if you have religion without relationship, it's it's meaningless or mm-hmm. it can be very empty. Um, but what do we miss? Because um, we all I think we all agree it is all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, a B it's it's choice D. <laughs> um, yeah, all of the above. above. Um, but what are we missing if we say Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. And if we if yeah. we if we use that catchphrase or we catch people in our culture it's using that question. catchphrase, what are we missing yeah. if we if we emphasize that part? You talked about people just not even going to to church anymore because yeah. it's all going back to that post seventeen seventy six culture that leads to this. Here's here's an example that that ties directly into what you're asking is um, it, most people don't realize that the people who were arguing for inerrancy in the post seventeen seventy six American culture were were kind of what you'd call conservative Presbyterians. They were arguing for inerrancy and no church structure should be able to have more authority than the written word. Than the Bible. So I don't care what churches said in the past. Hmm. The written word is what's to be most valued, and the individual has access through the Holy Spirit to interpret that themselves individually. Coincidentally, many of those people who were arguing that all became universalist. It was the Presbyterians who had the conservative, inerrant view of Scripture that didn't believe the Pope or any other institution should be able to override the text. They were led to universalism. And part of the reason why I think that occurred, and this isn't my many other church historians, was because some of the safeguards that the the historic church gave you, which is people from different time periods, different ethnicities, different geographic locations, they gave your scripture some boundaries. Like, oh yeah, scripture matters and no authority should be able to to override the Bible, but you do know all Christians pretty much, 99% of them have believed this. They've all agreed on this. But when you got rid of that, then you could have your own private interpretation independent of any church structure. Now, there's some good points to that, but ultimately what it's led to when that's been injected with hyper-individualism is people divorced of the church, reading their Bible on with, without any other wisdom, no gifted teachers, no leaders, no people older than them, different backgrounds, and then you get to really funky interpretations of the Bible, and it keeps going to the point, as you said, now you don't go to church. You don't even believe histor- some of the historic Christian truths, but you call yourself a Christian on Instagram on Sunday as you take a picture of yourself walking in the woods. You miss, I think, to, if I'm summarizing you correctly, you're, to answer the question, you miss authority 
people in your life who yes. help correct you. And we're and Americans. We don't, we don't like, like authority. authority. But so the authority yeah. is the safefguard that gives you, you're free. Yep. You're free within these within parameters. Within these parameters, yeah. You miss the authority and you miss the community, I think. You'd miss the true belonging to God's church and to the history behind God's church and the global perspective of God's church. Like I said, every other non-Christian is going to call us religious. So we need to kind of own that we're a yeah. part of this larger family. Every single one of us have had moments early on in our Christian life where we're reading the Bible and we read a verse and we would have come to a whack interpretation. Oh, yeah. Unless you, there was a commentary or a pastor or a friend who said, oh, no, I don't think that that's what that means. It's like, I remember reading, I was reading the Bible, like mm-hmm. I just yeah. plowed through it. I was thinking so much just whack <laughs> stuff. Um, and there's, there's safety in community, mm-hmm. theologically and emotionally. Yeah. You know, you were mentioning... Uh, our sort of anti-authority posture as Americans, but earlier we were mentioning how it seems like there is a shifting tide toward more of this stuff. That the you know it's it's not religion, it's not ritual, it's relationship. That and and what's interesting when you guys were talking about um, you know it is two polarized ends that people are running to. But in particular, when people are running to, let's say, the Anglican Church, um, this, the, we're not talking about just older people. We're, we're talking yeah. about younger yeah. generations. And what's fascinating about that to me is that what the research is showing actually is that um, late mil- millennials, for sure, and, and Gen Z, overwhelmingly, um, authority is not the word they would use, mm-hmm. but they are desperate for maybe a better word would to use would be like a sage in their life mm-hmm. or oh, some centering point, yeah. um, some something of richer history and um, maybe tradition wouldn't be the word either, but something that they know has been anchored for far longer than they have. Yeah. And there's a, and it's an innate longing. They haven't been taught to long for this. Yes. It's the world they were born into that is so fast, that is so what what is now won't be tomorrow. And, and they're looking innately yes. as humans for hmm. something richer, um, longer, more historical, that has sustained mm. over the long haul because that's so lacking in our culture today. Nothing and less. that is authority. You know, it it's is. not the word we would use. But that is the authority that is sustained. Postmodernism has deconstructed every building and just destroyed it so much that the floor doesn't even exist anymore. Therefore, people who have been brought up in a, in a culture saturated with po- complete postmodernism, they have no ground to rest their feet yeah. upon. There's Because no, a lot of deconstruction, no reconstruction. Right. And so when everything's been deconstructed and there's no floor to stand upon, it's like you're floating. And so what happens is these kind of older forms of Christianity, they have floors. They have something for you to stand upon. Look at people's response to the to the cathedral burning. Yeah, I mean, you saw right. young people making videos like almost in tears yep. over something that honestly, when I was in high school, I would care less about that. But for whatever reason, yeah. these people cared because yep. it represent. that's like... And irreligious young people even. Yeah. Are absolutely. singing. Remember, they, they, people were gathered around it singing. Yep. The, and their comments were not primarily about the the aesthetic beauty of the structure certainly it was but their comments were laced with irreligious young people even them their comments were were laced with a sort of a hushed tone of reverence that like of something they couldn't even really the only quite thing name. that was still really sacred in our culture yeah just right burned. things like that yeah mm-hmm. totally yeah crazy wild 
So what do churches do? <laughs> that was great. What do we do? More ritual. I don't in the know. What service. do we do? Yeah. Start start burning candles, and <laughs> incense, and um, read Dan, our friend Dan Kimball's book, Emerging Worship, from the year nineteen ninety nine. Do that. Yeah, because I said that because that Plugging was the joke. Was that in order to respond old. to this, so many people would just be like, "Oh, so what are you going to do? Just light some candles now?" Right. And that's that's not the that's answer. Not, yeah. The answer is to really rediscover transcendence, the sacred nature of what we're doing. Um, do your best to to rethink in my opinion the eucharist communion and don't you think there's a little bit of yeah it's not a relation it's not it's not just a religion it's a relationship but it's also not just your relationship with god it's Mm -hmm. your relationship with your neighbor it's your relationship with your brother and your sister in the church Mm -hmm. um and and so inviting people into this the depth and the breadth of relationship that God is inviting us all into, yeah. I think wraps us yeah, right back God, into the, the church. Yeah, totally. That's beautiful. Yeah. The, the, both of those things very well said. I think that is the encouragement. Um, and this is an ongoing conversation. I'm sure in your local context that if you're not having it, uh, find some folks who are serving and leading in the local church and begin um, begin having this conversation. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, always we, we always want to say thank you to our partner in ministry, Western Seminary, uh, incredible seminary up in Portland, Oregon. Also, campuses all over the country, as well as a really great online program. So if you're interested at all in um, furthering Christian education, then check out westernseminary.edu and uh, go to our Regeneration Project website. It's just regenerationproject.org and uh, we're always trying to compile um, what we think are helpful and encouraging and challenging resources for you there. So uh, thanks again for listening, you guys. Um, So appreciate you being on the mission with us. Uh, We're praying for you, cheering you on wherever you are um, and whatever you're doing for the kingdom. Talk to you later. Bye.